you see, this series is interesting for me because it is challenging me as well. Uh, well, I think a lot of the times when I, I preach, I try to have the word of God impact me because if the preacher is impacted, the listener will, will be impacted at least. Uh, so as I've been going through the text and, and praying, meditating, God has really been challenging me. And I hope that God has also been challenging you in how you think. Because the battle, the battles of life, they actually begin in the brain. If the battle is won there, Putra, we're going to win the battle, I believe, almost everywhere else. So last week, I was talking about how the thoughts that are not in line with Christ, we need to lock them up. Some thoughts need to be rehabilitated, but some thoughts we need to simply put them on death row and they need to die because they are not going to help us to be what we need to be and they're not going to help us to be the Christians God is calling us to be. So today I want to continue that trend of thought and I want to preach from Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 8 and verse number 9. We know this verse. I'm sure you have seen it somewhere. I'm sure it has been quoted to you. You have heard it. You know, but sometimes we need to look at what we have heard to really understand what is meant. Because sometimes what is popular often gets misunderstood. So allow me to read verse number 8. The text says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Uh, the, the sermonic title is, Think on These Things. Verse number nine, Paul, concluding everything, the things which you learned and received, check this, and heard and saw in me, these do. He's talking about verse number eight. You saw me meditate on these things. You saw me think on these things. You heard me talk about them. You saw them. You learned about them. You received them. And the God of peace will be with you. Think on these things. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Because without you, there will be no moment like this. So, Father, as the word is preached through a faulty, weak human being, I pray, Lord, that you may send your power and speak to somebody. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My practice happens when a professional deviates from duty or skips steps. For instance, a teacher dates his students. For instance, a doctor 
prescribes the wrong medication. For instance, a grab driver counterflows against traffic. For instance, a pastor refuses to pray for somebody. In Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul commands us to the skill of good thinking. Paul commands us to think the right way. Paul commands us to avoid thinking malpractice. Did you know that uh, you could commit thinking malpractice? I'm here to tell you to you uh, this morning that it is possible to commit thinking malpractice. Not only doctors do it, not only teachers do that, not only grab drivers do that, not only pastors do that, but you can also do that. You see, when your thinking does not focus on what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is of good report, go and put that on the screen, that's thinking malpractice. You see, you need to understand that your thinking transforms you. Let me put it another way. Your thinking makes you who you are. Uh, Solomon will put it like this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are the sum total of your thinking. Whatever you're thinking about is what has caused you to be where you are. It, was, it, it is what has caused you to be in the situation in which you are in. It is what has shaped your context. It is what has shaped you. Your thinking transforms you. Because there is a tie that ties the head, the heart, and the hands. Another way is there is a tie that ties your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. A reflection, emotion, and action. They are tied together. What the mind thinks, the heart's going to feel, and the body is going to do. If you, for example, think that somebody hates you, the feeling of resentment is going to develop in you. And because you've developed this feeling of resentment, what's going to happen is you can actually throw somebody on Facebook or react to that person in another way. Why? Because the thought of hate entered your brain, resentment developed or anger, and then you acted out on that situation. For example, if you feel unattractive, then you, for example, if you think you're unattractive, you don't think you're beautiful, you don't think you're handsome, you don't think you'll never get a date, then you're going to feel unattractive. But when you feel unattractive, then what's going to happen is it's going to make you cut the cord on dating or talking to somebody. You get what I mean? Because the thoughts are connected to emotions and the emotions affect what we do. This is the reality of the situation. You see, when a doctor malpractices, 
they hurt somebody else. But when you commit thinking malpractice, you hurt yourself. And this is the reality of the situation. And that's why it is important for us to consider thinking on these things. To consider that our thought patterns, our thought processes, the things that happen in the brain should be things that are true. Should be things that are noble. Should be things that are just. Should be things that are pure. Should be things that are lovely. Should be things that are of a good report. Why? Because those things allow you to think the right way and when you think the right way you will avoid thinking malpractice to sidestep thinking malpractice we need to understand the significance of thinking on these things uh, when we talk about significance we are talking about knowing your why Simon Sinek would always preach and preaches the concept, begin with your why. You need to know the significance of the job, the why. You need to know the significance of the project, the why. You need to know the significance of the, the, the act you're going to perform for somebody, the significance. You need to know the significance of the assignment, the why. Why should I do this? Why should I act this way? And so I want you to understand the significance of thinking on these things. Why should you think about them? You see, Paul begins the text by saying, finally, finally, brethren, whatever, think on these things. The fact that Paul uses the word finally, it means that he has been talking about other things. You see, when a preacher says, finally, <laughs> it means Gun, he's about to conclude the sermon. And I'm sure some of you cannot wait for Pastor Henry this morning to say, finally, <laughs> to bring to the, the sermon to a close, to, to, to conclude it. Right? So, finally means the last point. But when somebody says, finally, they are talking about something that is important that you should not forget and most of the times we remember the last words of somebody we remember uh, somebody uh, telling us the last words of the phone call was I will see you later we never got to see them later we remember somebody telling you telling us I love you and and as you as you're going about the rest of the day you're like yeah yeah the person loves me we remember the last words so Paul here is saying finally finally because he's been talking about some other things what are those things we know them check this one of the things that Paul has been talking about is rejoice in the Lord we know this verse Frankie because we say rejoice in the Lord always we, we talk about this then the other verse is let your gentleness be known to all men why because the Lord is at hand the other one is if you are anxious, don't be anxious, but pray about it. Then Paul says, finally, after you have rejoiced, after you have shown your gentleness, after you have prayed, finally, think on these things. In other words, Paul is saying, you can't rejoice. You can't let your gentleness be known to all men. 
You cannot pray if you are not thinking the right way. If you are not thinking about these things, it will impact other aspects of your Christian experience. You see, when a person is thinking the right way, they will rejoice. Why? Because they understand that even though things may not be good for me, even though things do not look all right, even though the bills are hard, even though I am unhealthy, but God still loves me. God hasn't left me. Now, because you have that thought in your mind, you are going to rejoice. Now, when, you, when you're thinking the right way, and you realize that people are being harsh against you. They are treating you in a way that you don't expect or they're disrespecting you. You will say, you know what? God has called me to turn the other cheek. And therefore, you're going to be able to show your gentleness to all men. Because why? You're thinking the right way. Now, when you are troubled, things are not working. It's not looking right. And the Bible says, and you're tempted to be anxious you're going to say, you know what? The Lord told me not to worry. Therefore, you are going to be able to pray in that moment. So Paul is saying, if you want to be able to live your Christian experience the right way, in a meaningful way, for you to be at the place you need to be, it needs to begin by you thinking about these things. What is your thought process like? Paul just wasn't talking about rejoicing and showing your gentleness and praying for the sake of doing those spiritual activities. But Paul was emphasizing what these activities led to. That is, these activities, if you look at the text carefully, again, it will show you that it's about rejoicing in the Lord, Frankie. <clears throat> that is, when I rejoice, I don't rejoice in my job. I don't rejoice... In my computer. I don't rejoice in my phone. I don't rejoice in my clothes. I don't rejoice in my likes and comments on Facebook. Uh -uh. I don't rejoice in that. I don't rejoice in sunshine. I don't rejoice in Nasi Uruk and Nasi Goreng. I don't enjoy rejoicing those things. I rejoice in the Lord. And then the next point is, Paul says, let your gentleness be made known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. I'm not going to be harsh or harm or hurt other people. Why? Because the Lord is coming. He is knocking at the door. He's coming. Therefore, I'm going to prepare, as we heard this morning, the way of the Lord. Why? The Lord is at hand. And then when I pray, I don't pray to a statue i don't pray to a door i don't pray to anything else i pray to god i tell god my issues i tell him what's going on this is what paul is saying you you when you're thinking the right way then you get close to jesus that is the significance of thinking on these things because it brings you closer to Jesus. And you can't be close to Christ if you're not thinking the right way. You see, Jesus needs to be in the cockpit of your mind. Jesus needs to be in the driver's seat of your mind. 
Jesus needs to be in the, in the boardroom of your mind. In other words, Jesus needs to be the center. And Paul understood this. He says, if you want to rejoice, if you want to show gentleness, if you want to pray, it must happen when you are centralized in Jesus. When he is the center of your thinking. And the way you do that is when you are thinking on these things. You see, Paul took this very seriously. Because there were many in his day who they lived like Christians, but they didn't live like Christians. Who preached the gospel, but they didn't live for the gospel. They didn't live the gospel. Paul was talking to people who did listen to sermons, who did come to church, who did give their offering and their tithe, but we're not doing that for Jesus. And this is what he's saying in chapter 3 and verse number 18. This is what he says, For many walk, many live, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, I'm crying about this, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Could we have enemies right here for Jesus, of Jesus? They walk, they walk, they live, but they are enemies of Jesus. They do their Christianity, they, they live for, for they, they, they claim, proclaim that they are Christians, but they are not actually Christians, they are Enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Look at this. Why? 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 Whose end is destruction, whose God is, is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. This is the point. Who set their mind on earthly things. They're not thinking the right way. Their mind is on earthly things, but yet Jesus is in heaven. They are thinking about earth. Jesus is in heaven. There is a disconnect because they are not thinking about these things. Why? Because they are thinking about uh, they are thinking about their belly. I hope the text is on the screen. Whose God is their belly? In other words, they are thinking about their appetite. They are thinking about Frankie what pleases them. They're thinking about what is going to bring them pleasure, right? They're thinking about how to have fun. They're thinking about how to eat, right? Now, now, there's nothing wrong with these actions, right? It's good to have fun. It is good to eat. It is good to order food and order in. You know what I'm saying? It is good to go to a restaurant. But when it is done without the consideration of Jesus, or living for God, then that appetite is your God. You are living for pleasure. And that's what Paul is saying. They are living for pleasure, not living for Christ. Enemies of Jesus. Because their mind is not in the right place. Because had they been thinking about these things, what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is of good report, there is no way they could have been making God their belly a God. You understand what I'm saying? You see, when we are living life on this earth, and all we think about is the career, the business, the marriage, the dating, which are not wrong things, but when Christ is not the center of those things, then we have disconnected from him, and he's not living in us and motivating us then we are at a place where we are in danger as Paul says in the screen of destruction 
So it matters where your mind is set at. What your mind is set on. You see, you take Jesus out of the mind, you take Jesus out of your life. So having, I hope I've made it clear that the significance of thinking on these things is about living a Christian life and connecting to Jesus. I hope that is clear to you, but I want to help you to understand that the significance needs to lead us to the substance. You see, when you look at people who abuse substances or we call it substance abuse the issue is that they have overused uh, certain drugs too much they've overused them too much to the point that it is destroying their own body listen to me carefully right here when Paul uses the word whatever it is a word that applies to overusing a substance to using something in abundance to to really use it and that's why paul says whatever things whatever things whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely these things think on them you cannot overuse them you cannot overthink on them. You, you, you need to use them. And this is what Paul is establishing. What should be the substance of our thinking? The things that should be filling our brains, our mind? It's clear. Those things that are true. Those things that are noble. Those things that are just. Those things that are pure. Those things that are lovely. Those things that are of good report. These are the substances that we need to be feeding our minds on. Let, let, me, let me just tell you each one of them in a, in, a, in a slight way. Maybe later we can talk about it more in depth. You see, whatever is true is a desire to, to value fact over fiction, especially in what is spoken. That is when a person thinks about what is true they will want to know what is true what is the fact they don't live on assumptions they live on fact when paul talks about whatever is noble paul is talking about something that is elevated ceos and presidents and and kings these are nobles they 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 live on an elevated status when something is elevated it means that they live according to a certain established norm. And that is you, you and me. The Bible says we are priesthood. We are, we are a, 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 a royal priesthood. That is we are nobility. We are kings in waiting. We are princes and princesses. We're going to reign with Jesus. And therefore, listen to me carefully. Our thinking cannot be on a low level. It has to be elevated. Not every joke should you laugh at. Not every video should you laugh at or should you reshare. You understand what I'm saying? Because you want to think on an elevated level. Uh, when Paul says whatever is just, he's talking about a love for justice and fairness and equity that is i will treat those around me in the right way 
I will give them what is due and I will honor them because I want to make sure that, check this, I am also right with God. Paul says, whatever is pure. You know, when we talk about purity in the biblical sense, we are saying something that God can accept. And something that somebody else can accept. So that is, I'll make sure that what I'm thinking about is acceptable to God. But it is also acceptable to those around me. Paul says, whatever is lovely. In other words, whatever is pleasing. Whatever will make somebody smile. So can God smile over what you're thinking? Is he pleased with what's going on in your mind? And then Paul says, whatever is of good report. In other words, whatever has a good reputation. In other words, when people hear about it, they say, this is good. In other words, when people hear about it, they say, man, that is a wild situation. In other words, a good reputation is what people see is what people get. And so this is what Paul is saying, that we, are mu- we must be using We must be thinking on this substance called these things that Paul has given us. And I want to suggest to you that there is no way that we can ever overuse what is true, what is noble, what is loving. There's there's no way you can ever overuse that. So so let, let, let me talk about truth for a second because... Uh, this one impacted me. You know, sometimes I believe that we, we function on faulty assumptions without validation. You hear something, you know something, but we end up concluding on a situation before we have investigated it. You hear that somebody, you know what, they, they, they cheated on their wife and, and, or they, they, they stole money or they did something bad. And you hear that, like, whoa, they did that. And then we start creating stories, we spread stories. But if we are really committed to what is true, we'll say, you know what, I heard that. Mm-hmm. I heard that. Now we validate. We try to investigate so that we can understand what really happened, what really occurred. Sometimes I think that when we have heard something, instead of us investigating it, we just need to reflect on it and let it be. Because if people investigate our lives, Frankie, they might find things in there that they'll not be pleased about. You understand what I'm saying? So if you love truth, you will make sure that you investigate because I believe that one of the things that is plaguing relationships in, uh, across the board is, is assumption without validation. In other words, we think that this person is like that, is like this, and we think they are like that, but we don't take time to actually know what is going on, and therefore we conclude on the person and we treat them a certain way when what we need to do is to understand and find out. So Paul is saying if truth is moving you, it is motivating you, then you will think differently, you act differently, you speak differently, and you will treat people differently. And we can talk about all the rest of those things. So the substance of thinking on these things, we can never, ever overuse it. Now the fact that Paul says these things, think on these things, Basically saying you cannot think about those things. Mm, Frank, I'm coming. When he says think on these things, he's saying you cannot think about those things. Think on these, 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 these. Not those. That is, we have a limitation over what we think about. You get what I'm saying? That is, I cannot allow any thought to enter my brain. 
Not every thought can have a free reign in my brain. I need to cross-check. I need to double-check. I need to x-ray every thought that comes in my mind to see if it meets the criteria. The truth is, the truth is that some thoughts <laughs> are uninvited. You didn't send them an invitation. In fact, you don't want them to come, but they come. You know what I'm saying? Putra, you know what I mean? They come. And you're like, wait, why am I thinking like this? That's okay. What you need to do is to take the thought, x-ray it. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? You need to x-ray it. And if, when you x-ray it, you say, um, uh, my friend, you and me don't need to be in the same space. You got to go. I got to go. Then you will see that, okay, uh, when you're using these things, when thinking about these things, then you will be able to evaluate your thought process. Paul wants us to understand the mind is a beautiful thing, but we should not waste a beautiful thing. We are in charge and in control of it. A friend of mine, as we were talking yesterday, we were reflecting on this passage. He told me something that revolutionized my thinking that I want to throw into this sermon. He said to me, Henry, you see, God planned it that the mind should be the governing body <laughs> Of your body. <laughs> in other words, the mind as the head on top of you should be on top of everything else. That is, it should govern your appetite. That is, it should govern your desires. It should govern your plans. It should govern everything about you. It should govern it. That is why God says don't drink alcohol. Because it messes up the mind. That is why God says, do not overeat because it messes up the mind. Too much sugar, not good for you. Too much salt, not good for you. Those things are not good for you because they are messing up the system that governs you. But when the mind is crisp, when the mind is strong, when the mind is feeding on these things, <laughs> what is temptation? But dirt off your shoulder. When the mind is thinking on these things, what is inability to pay your bills? Dirt off your shoulder. Because you live in a certain space. You live, I could say, on cloud nine. Uh, you know how a, 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 a passenger airliner will take off and it goes above the clouds? You understand what I'm saying? It goes above the clouds because it flies on a higher level. <laughs> Because above the clouds, it can soar. It can go at a, at a, at a fast speed. But within the clouds, Putra, what happens is there is turbulence. It shakes because of the clouds. So this kind of thinking that Paul is advising us to, to think like will allow us to fly above the clouds. Turbulence will be gone. I'm telling you what is hard for me. But this is the standard. God is asking us to fly higher. Take, take, it, take it higher because by focusing our attention on the substance of thinking, we become like Jesus. Look at the text uh, one more time. The Bible says, whatever is true, 
The Bible says Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. When you think about what is noble, Jesus is noble because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. When you think of what is just, Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. And he says, I defend the fatherless. I defend the widows. Jesus was just. When you think about whatever things are pure, Jesus never committed any sin. When you think about whatever things are lovely, when you hear about Jesus, you smile. <laughs> when you hear about something that is of a good report, Jesus is a good report. That is why I'm telling you about him. What I'm simply trying to tell you is this. When you think this way, you become more like Jesus. You become more like Jesus. You see, understanding the significance, knowing the substance, doesn't make sense until we understand the process. Until we know how to go about thinking on these things. Uh, Paul says, finally, brethren, and then at the end, he says, meditate on these things. You might ask me, Pastor, I do not see a step-by-step -step process here. I don't, see, I don't see this thing telling me, think like this. After you think like that, do this. After you do that, I don't see that. It simply mentions to me things I need to think about. And then Paul says, think about them. So where are you getting the process, the steps, the things that I need to do in order to think on these things? Paul uses a word when he says, think on these things. He uses the word logizomai. Logizomai sounds like logic. You understand what I'm saying? Logi, logi, logizomai. Logic, logic involves process, but Paul did not mean logic in this text. He wasn't using a thinking term in the sense of a logical term. Uh, no, though it's in the family, but that's what he was talking about. Paul used logizomai to talk about accounting. If you know anything about accountants, bookkeepers, is that they follow a process. Putra, I'm coming to you. They follow a process. That is, they collect the data. And then after they have collected the data, they record it in their book. And then they keep the record. When another transaction has been made, they collect that data, put it in, and keep it. So when somebody wants to know the record of the spending and the accounting, they can see the record because the accountant has been keeping a record of the transactions. There has been a process. Re get the information, record the information, and keep it. This is what Paul is trying to help us to see, that that's the process we need to follow when it comes to thinking. And one thing about accountants is that they're very detailed. They don't speak in generalities. They don't tell you it was about $100. No, they say it was $100, uh, it was $105.55 because they think about details. So Paul is putting us in a, in a thinking process. That is, you need to take what is true, you need to analyze it, you need to study it, understand what truth looks like, and then you need to keep it as a record in your brain. Now, when you have done that process, what's going to happen is, when you are now, a thought comes into your mind, 
then what you're going to be able to do is to take that stored information and analyze that thought. Let me make it a little bit more understandable. You see, what Paul is saying is like this. Because thinking is something that happens all of the time, as some experts say you think about 60,000 thoughts a day. On average, per hour, maybe you're thinking something like, uh, well, my average is a little bit wrong. But, let, but you, what I'm trying to say is you're thinking a whole lot of thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're thinking 60,000 thoughts a day, that means that you must be using th- this, this process of Paul throughout the day. That is, as you're going throughout the day, you are thinking to yourself, is what I am thinking true? noble, pure, just, lovely, of good report. You are processing and assessing every thought because thinking never stops. Paul used a present tense verb that is something that is continuous. What I'm trying to tell you is that the thinking game is an active game. You cannot be passive about it. You cannot just say, well, I thought like that and I'm going to leave it. No, <laughs> you, you got to be a soldier, man. You got to get involved and do your part and think through what you're thinking through because you want to make sure, significance, you're connected to Jesus. And you're in line with him. So that's the process. You analyze these concepts of Paul. And then you put your mind through a rigorous process using these concepts. That's, by doing this, we'll stop saying like, she made me do it. Mm, she make you do it. He made me, he make you do it. He make you do it. She didn't make you do it. You did it. Because you thought about it. And you did it. You understand know what I'm saying? Oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, I, I just fell into it. You didn't fall into it. You thought about it. So we need to be responsible over our thinking. And that's what Paul is trying to help us to understand. Think on these things because you are the master of your life. You hold the keys to your life. You cannot just say, I'm going to live osmosisly or I'm going to live by diffusion. No, it doesn't work like that. Think on these things throughout the day. I come back to this. That is why it is important to fill your mind with right information. Uh, I'm not simply saying when you talk about something true, you need to read the Bible all the time. That needs to be a heavy dose of your reading. You know what I'm saying? But there are books about habits. Like one book that I came across recently is called Atomic Habits. You know, how to develop good habits because some of us need to develop good habits. Because some of us, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is to check our phone. And then we start to scroll on social media. We get attracted. We, 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 we get hooked. And then we have wasted three hours. I'm telling you what happens to me sometimes. Lord have mercy, Frankie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we need to develop the proper habits. So by reading books that are not necessarily biblical... But they speak to truth because all truth is from God. Then we are able to analyze some of the truth that we need is how to handle our money. Read books on how to handle handle your money. Some of the truth that we need is to talk 
to somebody who is an expert in the field. If I want to create a video, guess who I talk to? <laughs> Frankie, because he creates videos. He has the truth on video making. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to create an environment that we make sure that we are able to think true thoughts. We're able to think noble thoughts. We're able to think pure thoughts. We are able to think on these things. So we know the significance. We have understood the substance. We know the process. But what is the consequence? Uh, what is the end of all of this? What is the outcome of all of this? You see, two verses sandwich verse number eight. They, they, uh, they, they kind of help us to see what the consequence is. Paul says in verse number seven, the peace of God will guard your hearts. That is your mind. That is your emotions and your minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Then in verse number nine, Paul says... The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Why? 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 Look, look at it. And the peace of God will be with you. Paul talks about two things. The peace of God, the resource, and the God of peace, the source. I just told you something that uh, you should uh, say amen to. It's like, it's like Paul is saying, the God, the, the peace of God is the bank and the god of peace is the owner of the bank can, can i can i can i come to you a little bit closer the peace of god is the car the god of peace is the owner of the car ah so paul is saying god is giving you everything that you need he gives you the resource and he as the source is with you Therefore, the consequence of thinking well is that you're going to live a peaceful life. You're going to live in the bliss of peace. You're going to live in the bliss of tranquility. You're going to live in the bliss of calm. You're going to live in the bliss of good days, of nice days, of great days. Why? Because you have the peace of God, <laughs> the resource. And you have the God of peace, the source. God is simply saying, I'm giving you everything I have got. It's like somebody saying to you, here is my credit card. Mm, please use it. But also I'm going to go with you as you're going shopping. You can buy whatever you want. That's what God is saying. Now, now let me tell you something. For the last 4,000 years that we've been recording the history of the world from the time of Moses and the time of the people like Aristotle and Pluto and, and to our day today, for, from the time we've been recording history, there's only been 286 years of peace. Out of 4,000 years of peace, out of 4,000 years of recorded history, there's only been 286 years of peace. If we look at the chart right here, 93% of the time, the world has been in war. Only 7% of the time, there has been peace. And the truth of the matter is, many of us are living in war. We're not living in peace. 
We're in war with ourselves. We're in war with our dignity. We're in war with our self-worth. We, we don't even like ourselves. We, we don't feel good about ourselves. We're in war with those around us. We, we argue about contracts. We argue about expectations. We argue about things that we want. We are arguing about the parking space. We're arguing about our space in the store. Uh, uh, last Sunday, I, w- I went to the store, and I went to buy something, and there was an old man at the counter, and he was making a transaction. So I, I came, and, and believe you me, I was doing my jaga jarak. You understand what I'm saying? I was jaga jarak. I was standing right there. This old man looked at me. He said, "Move away." I'm like, oh, "No." I spoke up. I said, "Wait a minute. I'm in my jaga jarak spot. Why are you telling me to move?" This brother just tried to destroy my peace. But you know, I want to. I said, oh, "I got to remember my pastor." All right, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna behave. But sometimes. Life is like that. You're just minding your business, but somebody pokes at you living in war, not in peace. But you see, the, 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 the good thing is that we don't have to live in war. We can live in the peace of God. We don't have to be in war with ourselves, with others. We can live in the peace of God. Listen to me. This is the gospel coming to you. We can live in the peace of God. So let's talk about, for example, one of the things Paul tells us to think think about is, is whatever is just. In other words, justice. So for example, like in my case, where the old man told me, move away when I was in my correct spot. Yes, I spoke up to him and I said, hey, I'm in my, in, my, in my spot. I told him straight. I said, hey, I'm in my spot. But I had to tell myself, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. I need to behave right here. Why? Because of who I'm connected to. So when we are thinking, for example, about justice, yes, we can address issues. But once we have addressed the issues, what we do is, you know what, Lord? Hey, I'm yours. What's going on right here? I can't handle it, but you know what's happening. I'm going to give it to you because you have said, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. So, Lord, do it. Take care of it. He cut me off, and I honked my horn, but I'm not going to tailgate him to show him that he cut me off. I'm going to give him my space because, Lord, you are the God of justice. And when you're thinking like that, you live in peace. The peace of God is with you. That's what Paul is saying. When you think on these things, you have not only the resource, the peace of God, but you have the source, the God of peace. Think on these things. You see, right thinking breeds peace because it focuses on the positive and the possible. Positive. This is not false positive, but it is positivity based upon the word of God. It is positivity based upon the word of God and whatever the word of God tells us is positive but is also possible because it is not dependent on on me, dependent on you, it's dependent on God. So we have learned the significance we connect to Jesus. The substance, these things. The process, we got to be continually thinking about it and the consequence the peace of God. A pastor 
was looking for his keys. He uprooted his house to try to find these keys. Eventually, his wife came. And she says, honey, uh, what's happening here? Looks like a hurricane went through here. Now, while looking for these keys, he cried. In fact, he went up and down the mountain of doubt. And he, 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 he even cursed a couple of times. When his wife comes, she questions him. She says, honey, what are you looking for? She says, I'm looking for my keys. And then he asks her a question. What did you do with my keys? And the wife says to him, have you checked in your pockets? When he looked in his pocket, in his right pocket, there were keys. When he looked in his left pocket, there was a cell phone. What he was looking for, he had. What he was looking for, he had. Listen to me. What we are looking for, we have it. These things. God has given us what we need. All we need to do is to look in the pocket and use it. All we need to do is to get it out and, and use it. We don't need to go anywhere else to find peace and happiness. We have it. God has given it to us. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life thinking about these things. I want to live my life thinking about truth. I want to live my life thinking about things that are noble. I want to live my life thinking about things that are just and pure and lovely and of good report. Anything that has praise worthy in it. I want to live my life on that. And I want to lead the way this week. I want to pray. and say, Lord, you know me. You understand my situation. But Lord, as the pastor of this church, as your manservant, help me to think on these things. I hope you'll join me this week thinking about these things. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We want to think about these things. We want to think about these things. Lord, you know that these things are not natural to us. But Father, we have heard, we have understood it, and we are going to think about these things by your grace and by your power. You have spoken to somebody, a brother and a sister, somebody struggling with their thought life. It doesn't mean that things are going to change right away. But Father, we're going to persist, we're going to insist, and we're not going to desist from thinking on these things. Lord, please, touch us, change us, transform us, make us like you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, I humbly pray. Amen. God bless you, and I will see you very, very soon. Take care.